0: This episode is sponsored by Liza Nash Taylor's new novel, In All Good Faith, and the link to purchase it is in the show notes. Author Jane Healy raves, Liza Nash Taylor's Depression-era novel, In All Good Faith, is a beautifully written story about the power of perseverance and resiliency in the hardest of times. Healy adds, meticulously researched with rich detail and strong female characters that you root for, I loved this story and know it will delight Taylor's current fans and is sure to gain her many more. I also did a Q&A with Liza on my site's blog if you want to learn more about the book, and In All Good Faith is available now wherever books are sold. This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is now a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each episode I interview authors about their latest works, or others in the book world about their roles, what those roles entail, and the books they love. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at thoughtsfromapage. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group, as well as Liza Nash-Taylor, author of In All Good Faith, for sponsoring this episode. Today, I am chatting with Samantha Specks about dovetails in tall grass. Samantha is a licensed independent clinical social worker. She and her husband live in Houston with their baby Pippa and her fur baby Charlie. When not in Texas, they enjoy spending time on the lakes of Minnesota and in the mountains of the Roaring Fork Valley in Colorado. Dovetails in Tall Grass is Samantha's debut novel. Currently, she is working on Dovetails of a River, which is set at the Battle of the Little Bighorn. I loved Samantha's book and selected it as one of my September Buzz Reads picks for the Buzz magazines.
1: Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: Welcome, Samantha. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Cindy? I'm doing well, too, and I am so excited to talk about dovetails in tall grass. I know we have been speaking a little bit about this book for quite some time because I knew you before the book was even headed out into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so lucky how we had a connection and we're practically neighbors. I know. So that's very fun. Well, I loved the book and actually wrote a blurb for it. So I know it's fantastic. But for those that have not read it yet, will you just give me a quick synopsis? Sure. Dovetails and Tallgrass is about, it's a fictional story about
1: the U.S. Dakota War of 1862, which resulted in the largest mass execution in United States history. On one side of the war. And then the other side of the war actually resulted in the largest civilian mass casualty event until the events of September 11th. And so from that history, I kind of started to understand and interpret it through the lens of two women. And so the story is is told from the perspective of two young women on each side of the war who are tied through the fate of one man.
0: How did you learn about the story? And then how did you become interested enough in it to want to write about it? Yeah. So I actually, I actually became
1: interested in it due to my own kind of personal random encounter. And it was back in high school. So almost 20 years ago now, I think. And I was, my family is from Minnesota and my grandparents are from Southern Minnesota on the plains and prairie kind of very farmland rural area. And I was driving with my parents on a Christmas Eve to my grandparents' house and kind of making the last turn on a country road as the snow was blowing over. Um, It was just so cold. I vividly remember this. And we crossed paths with a group of men riding on horseback and they had settled and made camp for the night and had some fires going and a teepee and all these horses tied out. And I asked my parents just, who are these people? What is this? Because we had never encountered that before. And it was Christmas Eve and dark and cold. And my mom said that they were marching to show that they hadn't forgotten a war that had happened here a long time ago. And I had never heard of this war or this history, but it it sparked me and my interest, and I just started to learn as much as I could. And that's when I educated myself about the U.S.-Dakota War of 1862 and and all that happened in southern Minnesota at that time, kind of in the shadow of the Civil War. Um, It was the first of the Plains Indian Wars. I started researching it on my own. And then when I was actually in grad school for getting my master's in clinical social work, I started to research a, a historical injustice, and I chose the U.S.-Dakota War as my topic. And so that kind of helped me dig into some of the scholarly pieces and, that have been written on the topic, and my interest just grew and grew. And finally, I, I wrote the story that ha- I felt like I had been called to, and yeah, here we are, and Dovetails and Tall Grass is coming out in August. Well, when you tell people about the story, are many people familiar with it? No, really, they're not familiar with this time in history at all. And it's so funny because I was traveling with my husband for work, actually, in Singapore last year, and we were out to dinner at one of the partner's Homes and the topic of my book came up and there were different people at the table from different places all around the world. And no one was familiar with the U.S. Dakota War. And they apologized because they said, oh, we can't believe we're not familiar with this time in history. It seems so important. And I was like, don't worry, don't worry. And now as I talk to people in Texas about my book, many people say, oh, we're not familiar with this time in history. We apologize. Like It's so interesting. We want to learn more. And then when I talk with people in Minnesota... They'll say the very same thing, and even talking with people in New Ulm, where the war happened, they'll say, "Oh, I heard something about that, but I don't know if I really know everything that happened back then." So it's such an important time in history, and has all these massively important things attached to what occurred during the, the war. And but people aren't really familiar with it, so that's why I just I felt so compelled, and I couldn't I couldn't let this go. As far as my interest, the more I dug into it, the more it mattered to me, and I really hope that that got to the page for readers and brought it to life in a way that's compelling and and helps more people learn about this time.
0: It definitely was incredibly compelling. I still think sometimes about different images you portrayed of some of the Native people walking and being moved, and the war generally. It was such an interesting story, and I knew absolutely nothing about it. And I wonder, is that because of the subject matter, or is that because of the Civil War? Or what do you think is the reason behind people not knowing?
1: Yeah, I, I would guess the main reason it gets lost is because it happened during the Civil War. And so most of the attention goes to that, that time period. And I think it's kind of a shameful time in United States history and is somewhat complex and messy and just has a lot of hard pieces about it. So maybe it's been looked over in that way as well. And I just feel like in, in some ways, Native American history in general has been left out of a lot of important conversations.
0: I think that's exactly right. And I think not only Native American history, but many other people's history. And we're just in the process of trying to understand that and maybe put some of these stories back into our timeline so that people are a little more familiar with them. Exactly. Well, can you tell me about your research? Yeah. So I guess my research
1: ranged (laughs) in so many ways from just like my own personal interest in reading different uh, historical books to, like I said, the academic research and reading scholarly articles to, I would find it helpful to even be on like page seven of some old history message board reading different users and their comments and interpretations of the history and different opinions of what happened. That was a lot of my basic research. And then I also spent time in Southern Minnesota where the war happened and the Brown County Historical Society actually puts on a series of events every single year in New Ulm and the surrounding countryside and the lower Sioux community collaborates as well for the more uh, Native American perspective of those times. And they have educational events and speakers and other authors and history tours. So I've gone to quite a few years of that and met wonderful people and found it so helpful to be standing in the place where that war happened and really see it and see the buildings and meet all the other people who have been impacted by this history. And the research was wonderful and so fun. And in some ways, when I look back at when I started to write the book, I'm like, wow, just I had no idea of what it meant to translate the actual history into a compelling story. Like It's a very different thing to to know something with your brain versus translating it into compelling characters that are going to draw a reader in and make them root for their journey and
0: ultimately have it matter to a reader at the end of the day. Absolutely, because you're writing fiction. So you really do have to have that story arc and character arc and translate like you said history into something that people are going to want to be turning the pages and understanding what's happening and feeling invested.
1: Yeah, my editor really was helpful with me on that when I was first writing and I was so excited to get every single factoid and every single part of the war onto the page and at the end of the day she really helped kind of rein me in and and say like wait a minute just just focus on the characters and once I did that that's where I think the true fire of the story kind of lit and caught on. And I, I found the way to weave the character's journey with the actual history and I think draw a reader in in that way. And I was still able to sneak in my, my factoids as far as like the weather on a certain day of, of history or a street's name or something or a tool that Onakika used. There's just all different ways I could weave it in in a way where it didn't have to be dull to a reader.
0: Right, or read like a treatise. Yes. <laughs> yeah, instead you you have a very compelling story with characters and then you are able to put in all sorts of historical details that are really interesting, but you don't feel like you're reading a history book. Mm-hmm. What surprised you the most about your publishing journey?
1: Hmm, that's a great question. Boy, on the, on the one hand, I would say it surprised me to deal with rejection and bluntness. And I think something that makes me an uh, effective writer is I'm empathic and I take the perspective of other people and I care and things deeply matter to me and move me. But in that way, it makes me have somewhat thin skin for the amount of rejection and no and blunt honesty and how this story is definitely not a fit for every single person. Or, you know, some people just aren't going to like it or don't care for historical fiction. So I'd say in that way, some of the publishing journey has been hard or just something to get used to. That's very different. So the author me versus the writer me have to be very different people. And yeah, I've just had to get thicker skin. And then on the flip side of that, I think the connection with the readers and just different people, especially in the historical fiction community, oh my goodness, like the level of support and enthusiasm and even talking with people like you, Cindy, is just so wonderful and has I've been so alone in this story and in the writing process in my, in my brain and on my laptop and in my words and my pages and alone in this manuscript for years. And so opening it up and opening up myself to others has been so awesome and just like one of the most neat things
0: personally and professionally I've ever experienced. It is such a wonderful community. And so I think when you get to the point that you're at now where the book is actually going to be going out into the world. It's so much fun because like you said, you're interacting with these readers who are loving your story. You're going to be meeting all these other authors and just different people, booksellers, whoever it is. And that's really wonderful.
1: Yeah, it's it's been so neat. And just especially after the pandemic, I think <laughs> reconnecting with the world and with readers and people of similar interests and just getting out there.
0: It's it's so fun to see people again, isn't it? I think it's so much fun. And I just think books are something that you can talk about with anyone. And I think that sometimes, you know, pre-pandemic, when I would just sit down at a lunch and wouldn't know anybody at the table, you know, if I was speaking or whatever it was. And, you know, the second you just say, what have you read lately? You have an hour of conversation that just everybody starts talking about what they've read, what they like to read. But I just think it's such a wonderful, unifying thing.
1: It really is. It's so fun. And I think it's interesting. I just saw book sales are up 21% the year. And they weren't really expecting it and don't know what to attribute that to exactly. A rise in 20% in sales is a pretty big number. And I was just trying to figure out like what is that from and what's going on. And I was talking with my dad actually about it. We were like, maybe it's from people traveling and just getting re-energized and back out in the world. You want to pick up that book. You want to, You want to have more that goes with you and adding on your Kindle and you're on the go and you're stopping by a bookstore. So maybe... It's just it's picking up because of that, which is, I think, just an optimistic and happy thing to see that we're kind of through through something with
0: the pandemic. I agree completely because so much of publishing was messed up by the pandemic. I mean, independent of all of the other things that COVID messed up, I mean, in terms of truly the supply chain, getting books printed, getting them out the door, you know, warehouses weren't open, factories weren't open. You know, everything was just so delayed for a while. So I think, yeah, that I agree with you, optimism and also just the availability again. Totally. What about the title and the cover? How did those come about?
1: Yeah, the title I we went back and forth and I debated and dovetails and tall grass. I wanted something that was balanced because my novel is told from the perspective of a settler woman and a Native American woman. I wanted something that really equally represented them both and wasn't too one-sided. So I toyed with a lot of things, but I thought dovetails was just a nice word that had some a feminine connotation and A dovetail is a joint that when it's cut correctly, the pieces fit together perfectly and it becomes a very solid connection point. And so I just thought that fit and paralleled with the core message of the novel. And then the cover, I went back and forth quite a bit with my publisher on this piece. And ultimately, I'm really, really happy with where the cover got to be. And it's a soft kind of sage green color. And again, kind of like this gentle feel to it. I don't know, something a little bit soothing. I don't know why. I just, I want it to have that feel. We were looking at something a little more old timey, I guess, because of the historical fiction piece. We thought maybe readers would like that, but I just feel like there's something about the message of my novel and the social justice piece, the women's issues piece, the historical injustices that I try to bring to the page that I wanted it to have a little bit more of a modern feel because I feel like the modern reader, when they're going through this novel, will really see some of the trends and the conversations and the hard elements of American history that we're talking about today. I think they'll see those brought to the page. So there was something I wanted to not feel too outdated with the cover. And I think we got there with with what it looks like now.
0: I think so too. Well, I know it took a very long time to get this one out into the world. So I hate to even ask this question, but are you working on anything at the present?
1: Yeah, I am. I'm currently writing the sequel to Dovetails in Tallgrass, and it's tentatively titled Dovetails of a River. And it's where the story kind of meets and converges again at the Battle of the Little Bighorn, just famous for Custer's Last Stand. And it would be historically accurate that people that could have been at the U.S. Dakota War of 1862 in Southern Minnesota. Some people were also at the Battle with the Little Bighorn. So I am just loving the research for this. I'm about halfway through writing it and I'm feeling really good about
0: it and I can't wait to talk with readers about the next one. Oh, that's so exciting and I did not even know that. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Well, what do you like to do when you're not reading or writing? Oh,
1: goodness. Uh, Well, as I told you, Cindy, um, before we started recording, I had a baby in October. So Getting used to mom life and hanging out with Pippa is, has been amazing. Um, we spend a lot of time in Minnesota with family and on the lakes up there. And we also spend a lot of time in Colorado, staying in the Roaring Fork Valley. And
0: we do a lot of hiking and fishing. And yeah, just love Colorado. Especially in the summer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I love to get away from the Houston heat by going there in the summer. Yes, us too. That is That is the game plan. Where do you go? We go to Estes Park. Oh, nice. Yeah, the YMCA has a facility there, a, a huge group of cabins and horseback riding and hiking in Rocky Mountain National Park, and there's just a lot to do, so the kids love it. Oh, that is the best.
1: Yeah, and where, is, where do you go? We go to the Roaring Fort Club. It's just outside of Basalt, kind of near Aspen, and it's where Marcus and I got married, and we just we spend a few weeks there every summer and fall.
0: Oh, got it. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Well, what about what you've read recently that you really liked? Ooh, I've got a few uh, good ones
1: that I've I've read recently. I would say one that I have listened to that I loved, because I just love listening to memoirs or celebrity memoirs, is The Wreckage of My Presence by Casey Wilson. She had a brief stint on SNL, and she was on shows like Happy Endings. I think she's on Black Monday now. But The Wreckage of My Presence is a series of essays, and it makes you laugh out loud. But then also throughout the course of the novel, you really... The memoir, you we realize it's an ode and a kind of a love letter to her mother who's passed away. And it's just so moving and their relationship is so vivid. I just found it very powerful and well-written and always even more so when a, when a story moves you, but it also makes you laugh out loud. So that book by Casey Wilson. Historical fiction, I, I really enjoyed One for the Blackbird, One for the Crow by Olivia Hawker. It's a little bit more literary and it's set, I think, in the 1870s in Eastern Montana territory. And it's about two families on the plains that have an incident happen between them, but ultimately have to come together to survive a winter in the harsh conditions of Montana and what happens between them. It's very compelling and just so beautifully written. So I would say it pick up the actual book, physical book for that because I just liked looking over passages and Hawker is such a phenomenal writer that
0: I really enjoyed that one. I still have that, but it's big. And so, uh, you know, I just haven't ever taken the time to tackle it, but I've heard nothing but really good things about it.
1: Yeah. She's a, a great writer. And then the other one I wanted to mention is, have you read The One by John Mars?
0: I haven't. I know what you're talking about, but I haven't read any of his books, but I, again, hear they're really good.
1: Yeah. I liked it. I don't, it says it's more like a thriller and I guess there is a serial killer in it, but it's, about like if there was a, basically like a match.com for your soulmate and you find it by submitting your blood DNA. And if your soulmate has also submitted theirs, you get paired. And it's just, I thought it was a little bit thrillery, but also just like the ethical questions it poses. And then also this thought of love and free will. And can you like someone or love someone? And what do you make work and what don't you? And what did you know about someone you thought you loved? And yourself, I, it just, it made me think about things and relationships differently. So I enjoyed it. And it was such a page turner. There's really short chapters and you can just
0: cruise through it. I remember when it was all over Instagram, and then I remember when it was at the bookstore when I was working there, and I was always curious about the cover, but I didn't know what it was about. But now that makes sense that the cover looks the way it does with kind of the white with the blood splatter everywhere. Isn't that the cover for that one? Yes, exactly. Yes.
1: And then I'm currently reading, per your recommendation, The The Hostage by Claire McIntosh.
0: Are you liking it?
1: I am. And I'm like, I'm 75% of the way through it. And I, f- I flew uh, yesterday from Minneapolis to Houston. And I was like, I'm not going to crack this one open on the flight.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's not one I'd want to read while I was flying. No,
1: for sure not. And I just downloaded on audiobook You'll Grow Out of It by Jesse Klein. Have you read that one?
0: I have read that and I liked it. You did?
1: Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I read it, but it was a long time ago. I mean, it's been out for a few years, right? Three or four years?
1: I, I don't know because I just keep hearing about it and I don't know if I'm late or now if I'm seeing it that I'm it's finally connecting the dots for me or if it's a more recent. She used to be like a writer on SNL and then I think she's on Amy Schumer's comedy team.
0: Yeah, I think I read it three or four years ago. I'm going to have to look it up, but it was really good. I mean, it's always nice to go back and pick up some of those because inevitably there's something I've missed. Yeah. So, well, good. Well, Samantha, I'm so happy that we got to speak and thank you for coming on the Thoughts from a Page podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Cindy.
0: This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, Please consider joining my Patreon as a page turner. Follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. The book discussed today can be purchased at the Conversations From a Page bookshop storefront and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to Liza Nash-Taylor, author of In All Good Faith, and Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll tune in next time.